0: This year's session, we uh, looked at the offering that we collected on the fifth Sunday of each month that went towards mission. Over $5,000 was collected this year, and 1,500 we sent to Hurricane Harvey um, aid, and there were $3,700 left. Uh, $1,000 we are sending to PCUSA missions so that they could continue on with their disaster relief. Uh, 1,000 we are giving to Love La Mirada, the project that's been gathering churches and schools together for the sake of the city. Uh, $800, uh, we are supporting a missionary in Thailand who took his, he's my age, took his whole young family to Thailand and planted there so they could start uh, doing missionary work in Thailand in one of the most darkest and hardest places in the world to plant churches. And so we had some money left over, so uh, the rest of that we're, we're serving the orphanage in Tijuana. And so we're going to be providing meals and Christmas blessings. So the 400 was planned from months ago. How do we empower our members to live missionally? And $20, I, don't, I think most of us are realizing here we all have probably a $20 to spare. The reason we gave it to you was there is this obligation now. And the, 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 Nathan did a wonderful job of sharing it. You could, if you need it, you can use it. Of course you can use it. There's no judgment. There's no uh, accounting. But we wanted to empower people in our church to say, hey, if you were selected, what would it look like for you to be a blessing to others? And so what we wanted, my only request is if you receive $20, I want to hear your story of how you spent it and what you observed. That's the only requirement. If you don't do it, don't worry. No one's going to come chasing after you. We don't even know who got the envelopes, maybe like two, three people. So that's the idea, but the idea is we want to be a church that doesn't do mission programmed activities, but we want to empower you to be missionaries, to live missionally, to think missionally in your neighborhood, in your work, in your community. So that's exciting, and I can't wait to hear your stories. And the video was to simply inspire that. I remember one of our youth group kids on Friday, we showed it, and she said, that makes me want to do something. <laughs> so I was like, exactly. Exactly. Um. So, quick question. Are leaders born or are they made? I heard both. You know, we got too many smart people in our church. Aaron, this three, four-year-old boy, just steals my thunder about the glove. Are leaders born and made? Well, we had this guy named Samson. and the backdrop of Samson, he was a judge, which means he was a leader to deliver Israel during a time when there were no kings. So this is his backdrop. It says verse one of J- Judges 13, long time ago. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Country went crazy, they left God, and so God let them get into the hands of the Philistines. Judges 133 five. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman. It wasn't Mary, sounds like Jesus' story. And said to her, "Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink, or eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God. Nazarite simply means set apart fully for the Lord. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines." And so, verse 24, chapter 13, the woman bore a son and called him Samson, which means sunshine, for real. His name is Sunshine. Hey, Sunshine, that's his name. And the young man grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. So up to today's reading, from that birth to now, this is what happened. Samson growing up, he's a leader, and this is how he lives. He gets to become teenager and adult, so he says, I want to get married. And guess who he picks for marriage of all the people in the world? A Philistine woman. And this is how he talks to his dad. If I talk to my dad this way, I would not be standing before you. He says, but Samson said to his father, because his father says, she's Philistine. You can't marry a Philistine. They worship other gods. They're the enemy. He says, quote unquote, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. (laughs) Just get her now, (laughs) because I like what I see. Very good. So he marries her. Samson gets entangled with the Philistines, and one thing leads to another, and they get so mad at Samson, they get his wife and burn her alive, and burn her dad alive. So Samson comes back, and he's all angry. He takes a donkey's jawbone and starts whacking away at people, literally kills a thousand people. We know it's real because he was so tired from whacking away a thousand people with the donkey's jawbone, he's dying of thirst, and he says, God, would you give me water? And God does. Strange story. So later on, he goes to the city of Philistine and Gaza, and he enters in there to this great city. And who does he see? Not Delilah yet. He sees a prostitute. This guy, he's a character. He's the leader of Israel. He sleeps with the prostitute. They try to trap him. They're like, he's at the brothel. And so they go to Chapman, he breaks free, he gets so mad, he goes to the city gate, picks up the doorposts and the pillars, walks 40 miles to Hebron, and drops off the gates there. It was a symbolic reference of you guys are nothing. And finally, for the first time after womanizing, he falls in love. What's her name? Delilah. And she's in it for the money. <laughs> He loves her, and they said to her, he's in love with you. Get him to tell you the secret of his power. So Delilah does it, and every day she tries to ask him, and he lies to her three times, and it literally says this. I love the Bible. Uh, he, He tells her fake stories and fake things, and then it says in verse 16 of today's reading, and when she pressed him hard and her words day after day, his soul was vexed to death. It literally says he was nagged to death by his Delilah. It's amazing. Women, you could get anything you want from your guy. So he tells her, no razor has been touching my head. So up to this point, he, he drank wine, broke that. He touched a dead lion before in the story and ate honey from it he broke that so he has only one more covenant to keep to be a Nazarite, and it was no razor to his head and he gives that up so he falls asleep on her lap and then she gets a barber and they give him a little yule brenner haircut mr clean they shave bald him and he gets up and he's like just like before i'll be able to get rid of these philistines and all of a sudden he did not realize the lord had left him they grab him the first thing they do is gouge out his eyes, which is ironic because he fell in so many problems with his eyes. They make him a prisoner. He grinds the grain. And on the day that they're making fun of him, he says, God, just one more strength. He goes to the pole pillars of the building and brings it all down and dies. Samson, anyone's hero? You know, I, you know we, like, we like Jesus, we like Paul. No one, I I haven't met a Samson Kim, Samson Smith, Samson Co. So I want to just share really quickly, and I'm going to rush through this. Three warnings, I think, from Samson, and then I'll give you the hope of Advent season. First warning is this. We are our worst enemies. Can we say that? We are our worst enemies. Notice it was not the Philistines in this whole reading that were the enemies. Who was the troublemaker of Israel? It was Samson. You know, Samson provoked and found himself all the way in situations self inflicted. He married a Philistine, engaged with a Philistine prostitute. He let love blind him from seeing that he was being tricked. And he was purely arrogant to just think I could get away with it again. Who is our worst enemy? It's us. James chapter 1, 14, 15. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by Satan? No, the Bible says. They're lured and sent, enticed by his own desires. You know, history tells us, Roman Empire, how did the Roman Empire collapse in the late 4th century? The barbarians came in, right? Historians will tell you, no. It started well before that. Roman Empire fell into trap of two things. They overtaxed their people. They taxed them and taxed them. So the rich took their money and said, well, you're going to tax us. We're going to move out and start our own little castle, and they did. And the second problem they had, they used slave labor for everything. What happens when your slaves run out? And what happened was their labor just dried up when the empire stopped growing. Long story short, when the barbarians came in, they didn't have an infrastructure in the centrality. They killed themselves. It was just a matter of time. In Christian life, it's not your boss, it's not your neighbor, it's not your ex, it's not your enemy, it's not your, it's not the Democrats, it's not the Republicans. In reality of life, your greatest enemy, nine times out of ten, will be you. And so the question is, before you, if you see in your week all the ways that you complain, and if 99% of the complaint is about others, red flag, you better check your heart. Because the real enemy of life It's not always outside. It's inside. And so in this time of Advent, the question I have for that is, if you're your worst enemy, is how is your heart? Not attendance, not I'm not in jail, not my kids are happy. Forget that. I don't like my kids are happy and they got they got good grades. And that's not a good the question is how is your heart before God? How is your heart before when no one's looking? That's a warning. Samson, great things. Didn't check his heart. Second warning. This is huge because we don't hear this in the 21st century. We always hear, God is always with me. He's always with me. You know what? Did you read that verse? Judges 16, verse 20. And she said to the Philistines, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. Listen to this. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. I'm gonna say something that sounds contradictory. God's love is unconditional. God's salvation is unconditional to the humble who just simply say, I need it. And He will give Jesus to anybody. His favor, His blessings, His strength and power in your life is conditional. Some people wake up all of a sudden, where's my wife and family, my job? What happened to me? You could lose it. Don't give me this, like, God is good all the time and I've this kingdom and He's so good to me. You can lose it. And Samson thought God's supernatural power was going to be with him forever. And what we need to hear today is yes, God's love is unconditional, His favors are conditional. We use the word covenant. Can you say covenant? What is a covenant? It is a conditional, you do this and we do that in a relational bind. And God had a covenant with Israel. Psalm 66:18 18 says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So if you're living in self-righteous sin and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness, and you say, God loves me, he does, he ain't going to listen to you. Repentance opens the way for that. I see a lot of self-righteousness in me, in our church, in American churches. We say this, I know, but God's always with me. you sure about that? Yes, in Holy Spirit in Christ seals you, but his power, his favor can depart from you. And Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Samson, the great tragedy was, it was gone. The glove illustration, God empowers and shows his strength through the Not the strong and mighty, but the raggedy work glove that Aaron Roderick gets nailed. A three, four-year-old boy gets it. We need to get it. Third, the warning against immediate gratification. How many times do we see this? Watch this. Tell me what the common phrase is. But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. 16.1, when Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute. He went into her. What are you hearing? Man, when you think with your eyes, and not with your heart, brain, and commitment to the Lord, we get ourselves in trouble. Boy, that money looks good. Boy, that boy looks really cute. Boy, I have a wife, but she looks pretty adorable. Eyes will get us in trouble. Remember that kid's phrase: Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Don't make me sing the whole song, please. Just say yes. Okay be careful. So when you let your eyes determine your decision-making, you are stupid. Did he just say stupid at church? I will say it. You are stupid if you let your eyes determine the direction in life and then cover it up with religion. Um, Look at what Samson also does. He acts with emotional rage. He was angry, so he had vengeance, and he created war. And this is what James says in one twenty: For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Immediate gratification is, I cannot wait. I need to remedy this now. I need to have it. I need to solve it. I'm going to fix it right now. And if you don't lust to me, I will fix you. Warning, how did that turn out for Samson? God's timing. Your lust never leaves. So these are the three warnings I think Samson is telling us. One is, God can leave you. He can leave his blessings from you oh yeah you live in sin and selfishness don't you guarantee that every day is going to be hunky-dory and god is good there is a conditional covenant he asks of us it's called holiness righteousness not just i'm a churchgoer and then he also says watch what your eyes see and then also the reality that we are our worst enemies. So what is the hope? I wanted to hit that hard so that there's a hope in this message. And here's the hope. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's the hall of fame of heroes. Who's in the hall of fame? Just call it out. Who's in the hall of fame of Hebrews 11? Abraham. Okay. <laughs> there are a lot of names. You know who's in there with Abraham? Samson. Can you say what? Just go to your neighbor and say What? How is he in the Hall of Fame of heroes? He had prostitute sex. He had a wife that was Philistine. He murdered people. He was an alcoholic. I mean, he was just selfish and arrogant. He's in the Hall of Fame. Hebrews chapter 11.32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stop the mouths of lions by the way kids samson took a lion and he tore it apart with his hands literally i believe that how was he in the hall of fame i just want to implore to you this is the advent hope of jesus christ two things of why he made it to the hall of fame you ready you could write this one down because this is encouraging to me and i hope it's encouraging to you here's the first thing one it starts from verse 16, chapter 16, 22. When Samson experienced absolute failure in the lowest point of his life, 16:22, when his eyes were gouged out and he was taken away as prisoner, this is what Judges 16, says. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now, why would the writer put that in there? Here's, the, I think, what he's trying to say. Even when Samson sinned and was broken in the lowest point of his life, Before Samson even realized he needed help, God was already working to bring restoration. I'm going to say that one more time. When you're at the lowest point of your life in sin and just failure, God has already started working a plan of bringing you back. That's God's amazing grace. And that's the first reason why he's in the Hall of Fame. This story is the story about how incredible God's grace is for drunks, for sex addicts, for for egotistical maniacs. There is even hope for them. And all the church said, amen. And so before Samson realized that God laid a plan, the consequences were real, but God's grace is even bigger. We sang a song, my sin was great, your love was greater. So when you see sin and Satan says, what good are you? How can you do that? You're such a terrible sinner. You say, yes, my sin was great, but Jesus' love was greater. Here's a second reason why I think Samson is in there. Judges 16, 28. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. Now, I read this since I was in middle school, and I didn't realize it until, to be honest, last night I was taking a shower and then like, oh my god, I never saw that. And here's what I saw in that phrase when Samson said, just let me have strength. For the first time in his life, Samson confessed and recognized his strength truly was only provided by God. If you look at 13, 14, 15 of Judges, he never attributes God to his strength. He says, my hair, my hair, I could do this. For the first time, he genuinely had true, real faith at the last days of his life. You have nice cars, you have a nice house, you have beautiful kids, they're doing well, good for you. Did you declare that they're all the Lord's? And it is because of God. Or are you living like Samson? If I didn't get that job, if I didn't study hard enough, if I interviewed really well, are you really patting yourself on the back? Samson was broken and he could see. His eyes were gouged out and ironically he could see that God was a source of his strength. Amen? That gives me hope. You know why? Because, man, I am not doing that great in my whole everything in my life. But God can use weak people. And because of that, in the final moments, he was saved. And he was entered into the Hall of Fame. So how do we wrap this up? Samson was picked in this season. We're doing basic childhood Bible stories. And Samson, I realized, man, he is a, just a close, one of the closest people to Jesus Christ. Remember when Mary, who came to Mary? Gabriel, you're going to have a baby. What? I'm only a little girl. How can this be? Samson's mom, you're going to have a baby. Samson was set apart to be holy. Make sure no no alcohol, no dead body, and no hair, razor touches his head. Samson violated it. Jesus is going to be the savior of the world. He shall be sinless. Did Jesus ever sin? Not once. Jesus lived in holiness, and Samson's victory came in his might and power, and he conquered. Jesus' victory came when he washed the feet of his disciples and carried the cross. You see, Samson is a glimpse of the future-coming true Savior of Israel. He is the true and better Samson that we are celebrating today with these candles. Hope is coming. Peace is coming. Love is coming. Joy is coming. It is Christ. Our victories don't come when you get stronger. This is why the world is almost close. Be strong. Believe in yourself. Our victory comes and I do believe in myself. I will be strong. But here's my secret of strength. Second Corinthians. We just read the verse. For in my weakness, Jesus Christ's strength is made perfect. So today, we worship this Jesus. And Samson, who defeated more Philistines in his death, it says 30, than in his life. That's the symbol that says our victories don't come when you rise up and take over, but when you follow Jesus Christ to the cross and humble yourself and serve. And don't think about your pride and your ego and how people offended you. Welcome to Christianity, you're gonna be offended. You expect to be offended and Christians are set apart because though we're offended, we can press on with joy and love and still serve. That's what sets Jesus' followers apart from the world. And the church said, This is a hope of Advent, and this is a resurrection people's call. Don't be like Samson, but be the image of Samson projected on Jesus Christ who came to save us. May you be blessed in that, and may you find life in that. Let's pray. Lord God, what a powerful, wonderful, and beautiful name it is that this church is not built because people raised it, And we bless all the saints that went ahead. But the church is built because of people dying to themselves in their baptism to their sins and alive as Jesus Christ, who are humble and servant and faithful. God, if we find ourselves self-justifying our actions, forgive us. It is not what we do that gets us your grace. It is unconditional favor of being received into your family by your mercy alone in Jesus Christ out of that lord may we live in righteousness and holiness may we live for your purposes as you sanctify us so that we may be a blessing to you and your hope and grace may prevail in this room and in this world we pray in jesus name who taught us to pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread